This is Mark Sullivan. I'm the author of The Last Green Valley, which is based on an untold story of World War II about a young family of refugees who are on the run from the Soviet Red Army while under the protection of Nazi SS officers who have participated in the Holocaust. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Best-selling author Mark Sullivan joins us in discussion of his new historical novel, The Last Green Valley, published by Lake Union. And we're talking about a family named Martell, Abel and Adeline Martell, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. What choice did that couple face in Ukraine? They were in Ukraine, right, in March 1944 as Stalin's forces moved into their region. You need to understand that the Martels were ethnic Germans whose ancestors had been given land in Ukraine by Catherine the Great, and they had emigrated there because they were very good at growing grain, primarily wheat. And Catherine the Great needed uh, wheat farmers because the serfs of Ukraine at the time were not capable of bringing in big harvests. So they got land and they got um, 30 years free of taxation in return for coming and, and working. And they formed these German colonies that people lived in, you know, for multiple generations, including the Martell family. And um, life's pretty good for them. You know, the, the ground is fertile. They have a very good life as, as farmers. And um, all the way until the Bolshevik Revolution and the rise of Stalinism, in which case the Martels, like many ethnic Germans, were thrown off their lands, uh, starved to death, persecuted, sent to gulags, some of whom never came back, sent to gulags, some of whom came home with totally broken people. Their life is horrible under Stalin. Mm -hmm. And then Hitler comes and he first thing he does after he invades in June of 1941 is uh, he starts offering them their land back. And the Martels certainly want their land back. And they go back to this, you know, existence that they were thrown out of. And um, they have about 18 months where their life is relatively good. Unfortunately, the Germans aren't there just to let them grow weak, but to um, to start the final solution. And at the same time that they're back on the farm, uh, the Einsatzgruppen is beginning to murder Jews across Ukraine. And um, then Stalin counterattacks, and uh, he wins at Stalingrad, and then he wins at the Dnieper River. And he gets enough of Hitler's armies uh, destroyed or weakened that the Wehrmacht is in retreat at the beginning of the book. And the Germans uh, come to the Martels and they give them an offer. And this is the source of the horrible decision they have to make. Do they stay, wait for the Soviet bear to return and probably mm -hmm. send them to Siberia at best? Or are they going to run with the Nazis that they've grown to despise, but who have promised to protect them? and they decide mm. to run with the Nazis. And what happens is an actual historical event. It was called the Long Trek, and there were um, actual members of the uh, Eidsatzgruppen, the uh, original executioners of the Final Solution, and mm. they were guarding the ethnic uh, Germans, including the Martels, who mm. eventually uncover why they're being protected 
and they have to come to grips uh, to you know with the Holocaust and why this is all being done while still chasing this dream that they have of getting to a beautiful green valley where they can live in peace and prosperity and mm. freedom. Let me uh, make a little detour, but it has to do with your previous book. I think it was in 2017 you uh, published a book called Beneath a Scarlet Sky. It was also based on an untold World War II history. A man named Pino Lelia was the hero and real-life inspiration. That, That book did very well, did it not? It did well for the same reasons that The Last Green Valley will do well, is that these are stories of ordinary people thrust into extraordinary circumstances and facing challenges that seem almost you know, insurmountable. And yet, by relying on their heart, love of friends and family, and a vision for who they want to become and how they want to run their lives, they uh, ultimately triumph. And I think now, given the circumstances in the world today with... Uh, the pandemic and um, uh, everybody facing uh, circumstances that are difficult and we have to endure them and we've had to overcome them. I think this is the kind of perfect story to read, to understand just what the human spirit is capable of. And I gather that Beneath a Scarlet Sky may become a a television series or something like that? Yes, there's a seven-part series being developed to bring it to life. And um, at the moment, they're casting the role of the general. Now, you live in Bozeman, Montana, I believe. And the story of Beneath a Scarlet Sky came to you there, right? Or I don't know how that worked. How did it work? It It did. I heard the story on the worst day of my life. I was pretty despondent. My little brother, who was also my best friend, had drunk himself to death. And I'd written a book that I loved, but tanked in the United States. And I was involved in this long lingering business dispute that took us to the point of personal bankruptcy. And driving down a snowy highway in February of 2006, I realized I was worth more dead than alive. And I considered driving into a bridge abutment so my wife could collect the insurance. Uh, I didn't do it, uh, but I ended up in, of all places, a Costco parking lot as rattled as I've ever been. And I put my head on the steering wheel and begged uh, the universe for a story, something that would give me purpose. I go home and my wife's not feeling well. And she says, you have to go to a dinner party. And she has no idea what's happened to me that I've reached this moment of crisis. I, I'm not going to any dinner party. She said, well, you have to. We've canceled three times. So I go to this dinner party, and a perfect stranger starts telling me the story of Pinoella, which ultimately becomes me to Scarlet Sky. And, um, you know, I don't believe it at first, but uh, I go to Italy, and I have this extraordinary experience with Pinoella, and, and the book comes out of it. And, you know, people told me I would never find another one like it. And... I thought I would, and sure enough, after Beneath was published, I all these stories started coming at me, and I realized I was going to have to have a filter, and I thought about Beneath and why it had touched so many people, and it was because um, the book is inherently moving and healing and inspiring and potentially transformational for a reader, and that's what I set out to look for, and oddly enough, 
I didn't find it until I went to the noontime rotary here in Bozeman and <laughs> did a talk about Beneath the Scarlet Sky. And a guy who's a retired dentist comes up afterwards and says, do you know these people, the Martells, who live in town? And I said, you mean like the construction people? There's a big construction company. He said, yeah. He said, the entire time I was reading Beneath the Scarlet Sky, I... Um, I couldn't help but think of the story, the incredible story of their journey to America and what they had to overcome to get here. And he said, I think you should hear it. And so I, um, two days later, I plug in Bill Martell's uh, address and it's like two miles from my house. So I follow directions and tells me to take a left into this odd little neighborhood, old neighborhood. And, and I'm getting this weird feeling and I can't figure it out. And I get out in Bill's driveway and um, the, uh, I figured out, I can't be 250 yards from where I heard beneath the scarlet sky. It's the same neighborhood. Wow. And I go, and I go in and I hear this story of what Bill and his brother and his parents went through to get to America and what they had to overcome and endure and survive, uh, just blew me away and made me want to write it. Isn't that something? Um, and the last Green Valley, and was this also true of Beneath the Scarlet Sky, they're novelized. In other words, they're novels about this. You you uh, write some of the stuff that you don't know if it happened or not. I do that, but I'm also using the techniques of a novel. Like, for example, in Beneath the Scarlet Sky, Pino Lello leads over 30 escapes of Jews over the Alps into Switzerland. I couldn't tell the story of 30 escapes, so... I did what any novelist would do. I took all the best parts and I combined them into two escapes that are indicative and reflective of what occurred. By the same token, in The Last Green Valley, there are things that I simply didn't know. What happened, for example, to Mr. Martell when he was inside the uh, prison camp? We know that he went in uh, a person who had lost his faith, a person who, from learning uh, from surviving under the communist system that the best manner of survival was not to get noticed, was to be timid, take no chances, don't try to advance yourself, because advancing yourself will get you sent to the gulag. So he goes into the, um, to the prison camp, largely that person still, but he comes out nine months later a completely different person. And there's a metamorphosis that takes place inside that prison camp. He never talked about it, but it was obvious to everybody who knew him. And it was obvious to his sons as well, who told me about this. And they didn't understand it. And so I had to come up with a way to explain the metamorphosis, and I did. And that's fictionalized. Hmm. Now, maybe it's time to outline who who the people are. Um, there's Emil and Adeline, and they have two sons, Bill and Walter. Will and Walt, yep. They also are traveling with members of their extended family. Uh, Emil's parents are there. His sister's there. Adeline's mother and sister are there. And at another point, um, Adeline's cousin and her twin uh, infants are traveling with them. And they're in separate wagons, covered wagons at first. And then later in the story, they're reduced to pushing the last of their belongings in a cart. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like they just leave Ukraine and follow uh, the yellow brick road or wherever a path and they get 
to some place where they can be free, they get separated, right? They go different places. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, they, they, they not only get separated, before they get separated, they uh, live through uh, actual tank battles, blizzards, uh, strafing by machine gun fire from uh, airplanes. They uh, um, survive uh, all sorts of mudslides, you know, everything you can imagine that the, that the physical world would throw at them. In addition to all this mental turmoil that they have to go through and face, and then only to be separated when Emil gets grabbed by the Soviets, just when you think they're going to make it, and he gets sent all the way back to the gulag. And, mm. um, and in the gulag, he uh, again, he becomes a different person, and ultimately he escapes from it and comes all the way back across Europe, only to find out that uh, Adeline is on the wrong side. She's still in Soviet-occupied Germany, and he's made it to British-occupied Germany. Germany, and she has to escape with the boys. The book is called The Last Green Valley. Why is that such a powerful phrase for them? Earlier in her life, Mrs. Martell, Adeline Martell, worked as a maid and as a cook for a Jewish woman, Mrs. Cantor, who she really liked and who treated her very well. And Mrs. Cantor had this folio book of paintings and one of the paintings was of this beautiful green valley surrounded by snow-capped mountains with a river running through it. And she remembered it, and it became this metaphor. That's because the children would ask, like any children would when they go on a journey, where are we going and when are we going to get there? And she tells them that they're going to this beautiful green valley that she describes to them. And it becomes this thing that they cling to in the hardest times. And they ultimately it get it. Is Adeline known as Reese in this story, R-E-S-E? No. No, Reese is um, Emile's sister. Okay, who's traveling with them. And she almost died after suffering through a bad accident. She did. Yeah, that actually happened. Emil also almost... Emil actually starved starved to death, that's true. Uh, Stalin, uh, Stalin basically starved 4 million people to death in Ukraine. And Emil was almost one of them, and so was Adeline. They all suffered from it. It was mm. there was not specific people; it was the entire country he wanted to starve. Yeah, I mean that's really pretty tough stuff. I somehow it reminds me of the start of our pandemic. I remember one uh, saying that made the rounds is that our parents, our grandparents, were told to to get a gun and face unspeakable horrors. We're told to to stay in our living room. It was a tougher time, I would say. I would say so, and that's why I think these kinds of books, Beneath the Scarlet Sky and The Last Green Valley, you know, you want to look at them and you want to uh, uh, you want to understand them because, especially given what the world's going through, we need to hear these kinds of stories. We need to hear stories of people who faced far worse than we're facing right now, and not only survived but triumphed over it. Can you t- say how? Were the Nazis to travel with? I mean, bad or bad and good? They were under direct orders from Heinrich Himmler to keep um, the ethnic Germans of, especially of what were called the Black Sea Germans, this area of Ukraine where they were highly isolated. Uh, It turned out that Heinrich Himmler, who was the architect of the Final Solution, believed that these ethnic Germans who had lived in isolation were 
um, the last pure blood Aryans on Earth, and he wanted that blood brought back to Germany. Adeline is traveling with her, is it her mother or mother-in-law? Her mother and mother-in-law. Both. Okay. Uh, which one is yes. Caroline? Anyway, I'm told that Caroline's Caroline is... mother-in-law. Yeah, she's very cruel to Adeline. Why is that? This goes back to when uh, Adeline had her first child, and uh, Caroline, uh, the child was failure to thrive. It was dying. This is shortly after the starvation period, and Adeline had gotten malaria and had to survive it in order to give birth, and the baby was a preemie. And um, they were hoping to revive the child, the infant, with cream and when somebody brought cream to the house, which was hard to find, uh, uh, Caroline drank a good portion of it, which always was a source of bitterness between the two women. Did they reconcile? Yes, they did reconcile before they split apart, and Adeline went her own way with the boys and set off on foot from Poland heading towards Germany. What happened to Caroline? Caroline decided with her husband to return to the Ukraine after the Soviets caught them, and she died in poverty and bitterness. And there's another character, a Corporal Georgia. Who is he? Georgi. Corporal Georgi, Georgi is uh, based on a man, Georgi. He's a man that I met um, in Romania who had been a member of the Romanian army during the Second World War. He'd actually fought at Stalingrad. He was one of the last survivors of Stalingrad. And he distinctly remembered the trek, the long trek of these ethnic Germans and talking to them. And um, I decided uh, he had actually spent time uh, in uh, four different Soviet prison camps, very similar to what Emil went through. And um, the, uh, uh, because of that, that fact that he was thrown in a prison camp, escaped and thrown in another one, escaped, thrown in another one, I decided to put him in the prison camp with a meal. And this guy is like the, I would say, the soul of the book. He is the person whose thinking changes Emil Martel and transforms him. And, you know, is the reason why Emil is a different person when he comes out of the prison camp and escapes. So that's who he is. Uh, he's a fascinating character, and he is largely based on this man, but I got to meet when he was 98, and he's now over 100 and still alive. Emil and Adeline are split up. Emil goes to a prison camp. How does Adeline survive that, find the strength to carry on? Well, she, you know, she comes into the story with a very deep faith in God and her belief that they will find their way to this Green Valley. It's when they're split up, when she, and actually when she splits off even from her mother and sister who tell her not to go on, that Emil is gone, he'll never return, and she should just get on with her life. And she can't believe it. And so she follows the last thing that Emil says to her, which was, go as far west as you can and I'll find you. And she does, um, but she doesn't go far west enough. And she ends up trapped on the Soviet side after he's made it all the way. And um, she is an incredible character, one of the most courageous people I've ever um, learned about or written about. Are Emil and Adeline still alive? No, they are not. They both passed. Bill and Walter okay. are still alive. Mm. Mm. How 
was it that they, A, decided or ended up going to the United States? And then how is it they ended up going to Montana? So after the war and after they're actually able to reunite after this horrible separation that they endure uh, for more than a year, um, they, uh, actually more than two years, um, they become aware of a program that allows uh, people displaced by the war to, and there were 60 million people, by the way, including uh, 20 million of these ethnic Germans who were spread all out over Eastern Europe and Soviet Union. Um, They had to find a new place to live. So if you got a sponsor from a specific country, Canada, United States, Argentina, they would um, they could sponsor you. They had to give you uh, assurances of having a job and a place to live for the first year. And so the Martels, Mr. Martel, had a distant relative who offered uh, to sponsor them, and he lived in Baker, Montana, which is the far eastern end. Uh, it looks very much like Ukraine. It's uh, you know dry country that has great soil, and if you can get water to it, you can grow anything. Um, and so they, uh, that's how they got, they got a sponsorship. And they came by boat and then by train across country to Montana. And once in Montana, the Martells prospered. They did. They end up leaving Baker eventually when Walter uh, graduates valedictorian of his high school class five years after arriving in the United States and goes to architecture school in Bozeman at Montana State. And the Martels had vowed never to be apart again. And they moved to Bozeman and they start a house building company, Emil and Bill. And uh, the company immediately explodes. And quite literally from the time they get to the Gallatin Valley, which is their last green valley, um, literally everything they touch turns to gold. Do you live in that valley too? I do. I live about two miles from Bill Martel. And this is my Green Valley, too. It was, it's a place that I dreamed of living, and I love it here. Mark Sullivan is the author of 18 novels, including the number one New York Times bestselling private series, which he writes with James Patterson. He graduated from Hamilton College, was a Peace Corps volunteer in Niger, West Africa, earned a graduate degree from the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, and began a career in investigative journalism. But I have a question coming for you kind of out of left field, uh, Mark. I want to ask you about Medfield, Massachusetts. Your bio says you grew up in Medfield, Massachusetts. I know Medfield. My fiancé's son, Jim, and his family, the Davignons, have lived in Medfield over 20 years. It's, shall we say, a very nice place. Uh, Do you still have ties to Medfield? I still have friends who live there, indeed. What was it like? I mean, because I know you put that in your, not everybody puts in their bio, you know, the town they're from. Was there something about Medfield that kind of spurred you on uh, one thing i know that why the, the davignons uh settled there as opposed to other places in eastern massachusetts is it was supposed to have a great school system yeah it had a wonderful school system uh when i grew up there it was very much a blue collar town but there was a growing number of people who were coming out of the route 128 high-tech corridor who moved there um i was one of those my dad was a 
um, a high-tech guy, an electrical engineer, and um, the school system was great. I had a great writing teacher who profoundly influenced me, so I'm proud of that and proud of the school that, uh, you know, gave me the ability to get into a great college and a great graduate school and to have a whole career. And I understand you like to ski, and that's one of the reasons you have chosen to live in Montana? That's true. I love to ski. It's one of my passions. And um, I usually spend the winter. We have a cabin on Big Sky Mountain, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from here. And I usually spend most of my winter up there. I get up in the morning. I go out. I go skiing. I come back. I write for five hours, and then I get up and do it again. You're not the first um, best-selling author we've interviewed who lives in kind of a real rural uh, state. Let's say it seems I seem to recall uh, talking to a couple who uh, lived in uh, in Idaho. Um, I mean, is that important to your craft to live in a place like that? I don't know if it's important to my craft, but it's important to my mental health. I'm really love being in the outdoors, and I came to Montana. Oh, more than almost 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago for the first time. And I just fell in love with it. Hook, line, sinker. It was something about the place that was so grand and dramatic. It made me feel small. And I realized that um, it was a nonstop source of adventure. And um, that's been true. I've been living here for more than 22 years and I'm never bored. Um, I love doing what I do, but I also love living where I live. How did you hook up with James Patterson? My old Phil, uh, foreign agent ended up becoming his foreign agent later on in a life. And um, we always got along and he was looking for someone who would like to write a book with him based in Germany. And I have been a best-selling author in Germany quite a few times. So um, they contacted me. I was interested, uh, and it turned out to be one of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, you, and you were saying foreign agent. You mean representing your work in other lands? Yes. Sir. Or did I miss it? Okay. Is there anything that, you know, and there probably is quite a lot, that we haven't touched on that you wanted to bring up in the closing minutes of our conversation? Yeah, you know, again, the, the Martells are an extraordinarily inspirational figures. They are, you know, he has a fifth grade education. She has a ninth grade education. But both of them have this passionate belief in a dream. And it's that dream that keeps them going, this dream of reaching this beautiful green valley where they can live out their lives. And given the, I would say, extremeness of what they go through to get there should be a beacon of hope to people who are going through difficult times now because of the pandemic and all the other attenuating circumstances of the pandemic. What's the next book going to be? Or do you see another book like this coming? I have another book that is meets the criteria. It's not based in World War II. Uh, it's based in Africa about 20 years ago. And it's one of the more remarkable stories I've ever heard. And in fact, I'm going to East Africa in about four weeks to begin the research on the book. Your sounds like a very exciting life, is it? Insanely exciting, yeah. I try to keep it that way on purpose. Is there anything about it you don't like? 
nope, it's my dream life. It's the life that I, I can't imagine a better one. I mean, I get to go around the world talking to people about amazing stories that are an inspiration to me and to readers. It's fantastic. It's a miracle. Best-selling author Mark Sullivan has joined us in discussion of his new historical novel, The Last Green Valley. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudborn.